So um, I wanted to welcome you all back to The Swill Show. This is episode three, and we've got a super interesting guest with us today. His name is Christopher. He's living out in the Bay Area of San Francisco, California, doing uh, doing some good, honest work regarding vineyards and grape picking and educating the youth of uh, San Francisco. But uh, I won't talk too much about his background story. I'll just... Uh, let you take center stage, Christopher, and introduce yourself and uh, let us know what you're up to, man. Yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Christopher Renfro, and uh, I live in San Francisco. Um, I'm growing grapes out here, but I'm also feeding my community, trying to do the best things I can, uh, knowing that uh, we're all having a hard time. You know, it's not just America. People all over the world are suffering from uh, inequality, but also, you know, uh, food insecurity, things like that. And so for me, I'm just trying to do the best with uh, my knowledge of working around food for a long time, working in restaurants, working around wine, how I can use that as a, as a portal to open up diversity, but also uh, economic empowerment, you know. Nice one, nice. So you're you're running you're running a project at the moment specifically, right? What's what's the name of the project and what's the what's the main aim of the of the process? Yeah, so two eighty project. Two eighty project is um, the creation of you know I have the chance to farm this very small vineyard in San Francisco. So um, I thought. It happened, you know, I had gotten it in 2019. It's on public park land. I just get to grow the grapes there and steward the land. Um, but when, you know, Ahmad Aubrey was murdered, it made me really think some things. Um, George uh, Floyd was murdered. It made me think some things, you know, like how do I, how do I create space for BIPOC people, black people, queer people to be able to find a community and be safe around each other, you know? so. Um, I thought that these small 65 Pinot Noir vines next to a lower income neighborhood of project housing, I thought that it would be the perfect setting to um, create that safe space, you know? So um, actually the woman that had the property before and managed it, she actually really kind of wasn't into the young black kids that live there right. running through the vineyard. So for me, I wanted to change the whole narrative of it and make it, this is a space for those kids to come and see it. They will help me plant vines. They will get to grow grapes. They'll get to eat grapes, you know, um, educate them. And then with the adults, the program basically is, uh, it's an apprenticeship to where I pay them um, every Friday for six months to come out on these excursions and go and see wine country, Napa, Sonoma, all around different parts of California. Uh, we're partnered with UC Davis. We're partnered with a winemaker named Steve Mathiason. Um, and yeah, together we're all basically going um, together to try and just make a better place, a better opportunity for people in our industry to be able to actually um, get everything, you know, they need to come into this business to be able to like become farmers. You know, I think uh, in America, we have a bad history of brown and black people being uh, either in slavery or being poorly paid in farming. And, you know, I want to try and fix that without it being um, 
too hard for people to grasp the concept or uh, push be pushed back at it. You know what I mean? Because it's a it's a good opportunity to be outside. It's a good opportunity to be around, um, you know, just diverse communities. But there's money to be made in it, you know. And I think uh, everybody needs to eat. Everybody needs to drink. So if we are included in that situation, you know, it's a win-win for everyone. Absolutely, I love. I love the sound of the project, honestly. I think I must have came across it about a year ago or so through social media. And, you know, I've been kind of just keeping an eye on how things are going through uh, what you post on Instagram and whatnot. And um, I just think it's a really, it's a it's an idea and a project that's that's ahead of its time in so many ways because, you know, there's just, well, it's evident that we're running low on all sorts of produce to do with the agricultural world, not just fruit, not just vegetables, but obviously we're having a, a worldwide problem with quality of meat as well. And I think it's because we have let things slip over the last 50 to 75 years and we've taken we've taken farming as a whole for granted, in my opinion. Um, and now here we are in the 20 years into the 21st century and it's really proven that like you know we're gonna have to make some serious changes in how we work with uh, agriculture and how we farm our produce um to to really go any further um so for yeah. you to be able to then offer offer that um offer that position to people of uh, disadvantaged backgrounds in, in in San Francisco I just think it's such a beautiful collaboration like it's just it, it it makes perfect sense yeah man it's it's funny because it's super necessary and where we are in San Francisco is uh, a place where the Black Panthers were pretty much right here you know they were in Oakland so just right over a bridge but then some very powerful Black communities in the Fillmore, Hunter's Point, people that had shown lots of Black home ownership at one time, um, people that migrated from the South, you know, so they came from families of sharecroppers, farmers, these types of things. Um, and But we're also in a city of substantial wealth, so much wealth, you know, like the Google executives, the uh, Apple executives, uh, Twitter, all these types of people are right around here. And you have major universities like Stanford, Berkeley. Um, some of the brightest minds you would think would be able to figure out how do we make a better world? How do we do better opportunities for everyone? You know, So my motivation is seeing these people not really do much and being like, ah, someone else has to do it, obviously, because even even in local politics, you would think that the mayor would just be like, yo, can you help support this program? Can you help support these people? You know what I mean? Like uh, the, the mayor should be speaking on behalf of the real grassroots people and connecting to these tech moguls and being the liaison for money and connections you know what i mean because i thought that's what politics was all about it should be you know and i think uh i think they're doing it on a level where the community almost can't be involved so i think 
that's where we start seeing things become detached. And that's the same with the food systems. When you think about what capitalism has done to industrial agriculture, uh, just large machine farming, less hands and bodies in the fields. Why? So we don't have to pay them. So we don't have to, you know, but realistically, if you had more people doing these jobs, it would be more equitable. We would have to actually pay for produce. We'd have to pay for meat. People might not be just throwing their burgers away, letting vegetables rot. You know, they'd, they'd maybe be like, oh man, my, my blood sweat goes into this for my job. Someone else gets paid for this. Why would I waste anything? You know what I mean? So actually, um, we take, we, we're taking it for granted at, at the at the point we've got to, um, and it's not just like stateside that issue either. Like I actually went to college in New York, upstate New York, in Saratoga Springs for two and a half years um, from Ireland. So, and then I moved to the UK here to Manchester, and like that's it in my opinion from what i've seen with my two eyes like that's a worldwide issue it's not just going down in america it's not just going down in the uk it's happening in ireland australia you name it um and something like provocative needs to be done to to make a, a change because yeah it's a slippery slope we're heading down um and, and that's I really why yeah, so I, for me, like wine is the the secret, sexy way to get people into agriculture. You know, like um, people care about good wine. You know, they they love the story of how it's farmed, and they love the story of how clean it is. And you know, like uh, right now we're getting into a phase of wine with organic and biodynamic being used. You know, so these these practices are already what black and indigenous people were already doing. They were already respecting mother earth. They were already using what was already available with them. You know what I mean? To feed the earth, to, to farm the right ways. So when we see this uh, language now being used without us being included, it's, uh, it's funny because it's like, if we only taught history the right ways, people could feel like they're part of the conversation and part of the solution instead of, you know, feeling helpless. And that's, that's what we really need in these uh, communities that are marginalized. You know, we need to feel like we can help ourselves, you know? Um, I think, I think about it with like uh, saving the planet, you know what I mean? I think about when people feel like people of color have ghetto neighborhoods or, you know, act a certain way it's like well have we helped them in being empowered or kept them disempowered have we allowed them to feel like they can recycle that they can learn language around how water is used how trash and everything works you know what i mean like all of these types of things seem like privileged but that's everyone's right on this planet is to know how it works and that the best way to keep it you know so when you were the people gatekeeping farming land usage appropriate like um information on how to care for it 
it's almost like you have to realize you're to blame for not having everybody be a team player. You know what I mean? Like if everybody was a part of it, then we'd have to really look at ourselves as a whole and be like, oh, wow, we're not doing something right. But by piecing it apart and being like, no, they're bad. Look at their neighborhoods. Look at the drugs in their neighborhood. Look at homelessness over there. Look at, you know, if we were all together, you think about it, then it would be that village community. And we'd have to, we'd have to really look at who's at top. Yeah, absolutely. Who's the leaders? You know what I mean? Who's the ones really controlling? Who's, who's doing the financial control? Who's doing the community building? Who's, you know what I mean? But because we're separated by color, by gender, all these different things, people are kind of not able to really see each other as an asset rather than like a liability. An enemy. Exactly, man. It's, it's really sad. And I think it keeps a lot of people paid, but a lot more people struggling. And more and more people are struggling now in, in this day and age. Like it feels like it's it's getting worse almost. Um and the repercussions are so detrimental because meanwhile the earth is is essentially dying and we're too busy pointing at each other and mm-hmm. like other people's like you said, other people's neighborhoods and how they're keeping their streets clean where we're not and et cetera, et cetera. When really we, we should be looking, we should be working collectively and looking above us because they're the people with the power to make the changes, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing is like, um, I think people also realize collectively then people can't be taken advantage of, you know? Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, it is really smart for certain people to keep people fighting and divided rather than being like, hey, why can't they afford water and food? Oh, that could happen to me. Oh, no, 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 we're not going to do that to them over there, you know, because that might come down to me one day having to fight for that, you know, because the way I see it is if anybody's not doing good, everybody's not doing good, you know, because even even if people have more money and they're in this hidden area, you know what I mean? They they feel protected and everything. That that internalizing of grief and and pretending like you don't feel it. We're humans, man. We can't hide that. We can't hide uh, the empathy. We just have to mask it and mask it and mask it. You know, so it's it comes out in other ways. You know what I mean? Like, so I think like realistically these type of conversations really need to happen so people feel like you know i don't come from a place where i have much but i do a lot for my community because i feel for them and i can understand that people at the top i can understand that it feels nice to probably have very nice things and security but realistically if there are people struggling how long is your security going to last if people need what you have just for basic survival, you know, like, and is that any way you, is that any way you want to live? You know what I mean? Like, is worrying, you know, because I think, you know, even if you, people in the hoods, you know, they feel it. It's one of those situations where being, having to look over your back because of having gold chains or, you know, a big car with nice rims 
in a neighborhood full of people that um, are struggling, that's a horrible idea unless you're feeding people, you know what I mean? Unless you're taking care of them and trying to figure out how we all rise, you know what I mean? Like, so I think a lot of it is really like a poor example of how we should do it. And so that's what I, I try to do every day is like, I wake up and try and be motivational. I try and put in hard work. I always try to be there for people in my community. And, you know, when I say community, I especially mean like BIPOC, you know, people, black people, brown people, but I also mean everyone, man. It, it We are all one force. If we really think about it, we all bleed, we all pee, we all poop, we all die. Like, you know, we like, we don't want to lose our family members. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I think like, for me, it's like uh, God's work, a universe's work of trying to get along with everybody, man, and make sure that, you know, we all have something special we can offer each other, you know? Um, one thing that I do every month is I feed my community like a farm to table breakfast for real. Um, and I walk, I walk food into the hood and I knock on everyone's door and I ask how much food they need, like all these pre-cooked meals that we do. We like, we cook it right there on the farm and then I walk it into their neighborhoods like a fine dining, like food runner, you know? And I ask, how many do you need? And instead of worrying about government numbers or how many each family gets, it's like, if you're hungry, take it. When we run out, we run out. We get this money to do this program by donations, by people that have it. Those that don't have it, they pay nothing. We don't worry about it. We do a few pop-ups out of the year to fully fundraise. And this is to show that anybody with a restaurant space, with a storefront, if your friends have an idea and you let them use it, they can put good ideas into practice and then take that money to help their own community. So our friends let us use a restaurant for four hours. So we popped, we popped up, we did what we know how to do in restaurants. We made $9,000 in four hours. We used that money to feed an entire community for a year. That's incredible, Stokeman. Wow. So, you know, and people seem like it's hard, but it's like the hardest part is to get over yourself and be like, I don't care what people think about me. I'm going to do this because I know it's right. Who cares how who cares how you're even received in the beginning? It's bigger than that. It's making sure that people know that they're cared about. You know, like I'm not from the projects that I feed, you know what I mean? I take care of those people because they're directly next to the farm. They look like me and I know that those kids will remember that I did something nice for them and maybe they can do something nice for someone one day. I you know? But isn't there? Yeah, and when I walk through that neighborhood, you know what's empowering is that active dudes who gangbang, who stab people, who deal drugs, and none of this is glorified. That's just their life. This is just their life. Those men, they tell me they love me. Those right. women, they tell me they love me. The old people, the elders, the children, they tell me they love me. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't let cam I don't let cameras go in there. I don't do nothing like that. It's it's a relationship between all of us and that's it. That's some real shit. That serious. Um, I think I've got. I'm slightly running out of time on my Zoom call. Yeah. Here. No, I got. I got to get back to work too. They're probably wondering where the black man is. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just ask you real quick. Why wine for you in general, Christopher? Like, how did Christopher get into wine? 
um, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. I can I can do that one quick. So for me, working in fine dining restaurants, I thought about it. I was like, how am I gonna get to a higher place to make more money? And I saw it was wine. So I asked the person that was above me at that time, can I help him in the cellar where all the wine was stored? And I went in and I started seeing the bottles and they all said Chateau or Domaine, you know? So for me, I saw that, but I realized basically those are plantations that are passed down generation after generation with wealth and land. And I thought about me in America as a black man and my family doesn't have that story and I'm going to be the one to change that. And, you know, so for me, I was like, I, I went to school for horticulture. I know how to grow plants. I um, basically, on one of my trips working at the restaurant, we went to a biodynamic farm called Litteri in Sonoma. And I got a cutting from one of his shoot thinning, uh, like uh, little things he was showing us how to do. And I kept this one green shoot and the wine director at the time, he was like, oh, you're not gonna get that to grow. And I got it to grow and it still lives at my house today. It's like nine years old. And that, that, that moment was like, oh God, whatever universe wants me to know that if I put my mind to it and plants is this, something big is gonna come from this. Cause I know one day I'm gonna have a farm so I should get ready. I already know how to raise animals. I know how to grow certain plants. Grapes is the key to the money to teach other black people how to be free so we can be in luxury in our spaces that aren't plantations, but these positive spaces where we can create fruit into juice, into alcohol, so we can have libations and dance and uh, share our stories for the rest of time. Wow, that's poetic as fuck, man. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I appreciate Christopher, lovely uh, speaking to you. As always, if you have any accounts or businesses or projects you want to shout out, shout them out right now and we'll get the uh, yeah. on screen for you. Yeah, just 280 Project on Instagram and Feed the People Collective. 280 Project and uh, 280project.com. You can find us on the internet. Feed the People Collective is where we uh, do the community lunch. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. I I appreciate you a thousand percent. Um, one one day we will meet in person, man, and it's gonna be dope. We'll drink some wine. We'll eat some great food. For sure, I'm gonna come out to the west coast as soon as possible, man. I've been once before, and I'm dying to get back now. Yeah, man, you got a place to come stay. You got a place to come hang out, and uh, I got your back. You know. Love, brother. Love, man. Well, listen, I'll let you get back to work. Enjoy yourself. Thanks for your time, Christopher. Really appreciate it, yes, man. Sir. Have Peace, a good day, brother. Have a good one, man. Peace.